Hey everybody, this is Kayla Doan here with Growth with Girlfriends. This is a new podcast where we're discussing what we're learning and how we're growing on the path towards creating our best lives. Today, I'm excited to share some of my experience from the tech world and how I've morphed it into a new approach that supported my personal growth at a whole new level. Through this experience, I think that there are three things that the tech industry does particularly well that we can adapt and bring into our own lives that I'll discuss in this episode. First is how to set bold dreams. This involves separating our creative brain from our engineering brain. The second is how to pursue multiple goals at the same time in a systematic way that doesn't leave us overwhelmed. The third is continuous improvement. How can we get 1% better on top of 1% better until we're accelerating our lives towards our dreams at a speed we didn't even know was possible? I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to Growth With Girlfriends. And if you dig the show, I'd so appreciate a rating or review. Now let's dive in. So about a year and a half ago, I went through this kind of shift where up until this point, I've always been a very driven, career-oriented person. I have been living in Boston for a long time now, and there is just this ambition and this hustle in this city that makes you feel like you just want to climb and you want to create and build and change the world that I think is so awesome. And about a year and a half ago, I started kind of taking that determined energy and shifting that more inward into personal growth and reflecting on what's important to me. What are the things that I value? Who is the person that I want to become? What do I want my life to look like? And it shifted from kind of this masculine energy of do all of the things to this more kind of receiving, stepping back energy of I'm going to pull into my world all of the things that feel right to me. And in this transition, I kind of by necessity had to start evolving how I approached my goal planning, how I set up my to-do list, really like how I run my life. And what came out of that was this like super cool blend of taking what I know from the tech industry, all of the strategic planning and the frameworks and agile methodologies and morphing that, taking what works and morphing it into this more pliable version that is very supportive, but also just works for this new space and energy that I'm in. So let's get into the tactical stuff. So I notice when I'm working with teams, whether it's with new startups who are trying to reimagine something new, or maybe it is my engineering team and we're trying to think about a new feature that we want to launch. I notice that whenever we pull groups together to kind of brainstorm ideas, there are kind of two factions that evolve. One is usually more of the creative folks. So these are our designers, our marketers. I probably typically fall into this camp. And these are the folks that when brainstorming really kind of push the envelope on new ideas. And then 
The other faction is the engineers in the room. So when a new idea is shared, they are the ones where there is concern written all over their faces and they will jump in with, oh my gosh, that idea that you just shared, it is going to take us five years to build. We're going to have to completely rewrite our technical infrastructure and we're going to have to hire 20 more people. And they just jump to all of the things that is going to have to happen in order to make that that new idea come to life. And this dynamic makes a lot of sense because you have folks on the creative side that aren't necessarily involved in the tactical implementation of that thing. So they really have the freedom to dream and think about how to change the company without the same sort of constraints. And the engineers are the ones that actually have to go build the thing. And if that new idea doesn't work, they are going to be the ones stuck dismantling it and feeling that pain at a level that probably nobody else in the room is going to. And what I notice is when we are alone, when we are dreaming up our own big ideas for our lives, we are forced to play both and often at the same time. And if there is one that we default to between using our creative brain and using our engineering brain, I would wager that the majority of us skew towards that engineering brain, that we don't even allow ourselves the opportunity to explore what could be because we have no clue how to get there. So what I do in these situations at work, and I've started doing it myself, and it's been hugely helpful for for me personally, is to actually separate the time that we tap into that creative energy and separate it from the engineering brain, the how are we going to do this thing. So at work, this looks like actually carving out time and setting up separate meetings for both. And addressing the room and saying, hey, everybody, I know that we all have a lot of concerns about how we're going to pull this new thing off. We don't even know what direction we're heading in yet. But know that whatever we explore, we will dedicate time to figuring out if it's possible. And hey, engineers, we are not going to move forward with anything that you don't feel comfortable with or that you flag as not feasible. So just know and feel like your concerns are, just know that your concerns are going to be addressed and we promise you that we're going to do that before moving forward. And then what that does is it really kind of, it gives that engineering brain and our engineering counterparts in real life that outlet. And we're allowed to kind of set aside all of those worries that are going on in our brain because we know that we're going to be coming back to it. So what this allows us to do when we are sitting on our own is really tap into that creative space and think about what's possible and what could be without that fear and that dread of, oh my God, I have to figure all this out right now. And I find that This kind of permission just allows us to open up our brains at a completely different level. And you'll find that once you start inviting that creative energy and allowing that to have some voice, you'll be amazed at the opportunities and ideas that are just kind of 
put away in the back of your brain that you would love to explore and you would love to spend time thinking about, but you never gave yourself the opportunity to do so before. And I find that from an innovation perspective, I worked in corporate innovation for, geez, six or seven years, something like that, um, and also was a part of a founding team that launched a startup accelerator. So I've spent a lot of time with startups as well. This is a muscle that we can build. Once we start to work that muscle of using that creative energy without stamping it out with that engineering brain, this truly is a muscle that will allow us to start to be more bold with our lives. And that's going to carry over to all aspects of our life. So if we can start to kind of play around with it and maybe we start in the workplace and then it starts to carry over to our personal goal setting and it starts to carry over to our family life, wherever you feel most comfortable to start. Once you start using that muscle, it really will start to accelerate and you'll be able to take on more bold things and just allow yourself to get there. So as a technology product manager, a skill set that I've had to refine is being able to kind of look towards the future and set a goal or objective And then also kind of hold that tension with needing to figure out all of like the on the ground tactical things that we're going to do in order to get there. So on our team, we could have this objective of, hey, by the end of the year, we want to generate $15 million in net new revenue this year. And we have our mobile apps, we have our websites, we could be launching new features, new fashion merchandising strategies, we could be improving bugs to make our member experience better for our customers. There's so many different things that we could be working on. And when I look at what we call our backlog of all the different potential future work that our team could take on, It is hundreds of items long. So the takeaway here is that it's never just one thing that we take on that gets us to like that nirvana end state. It's like a series of goals. And for ourselves, we need to make sure that we are representing all of the aspects of our life that make us us because that is really what's going to kind of add up into this end future state, this life that we really want to live. So in the past, I would put on my refrigerator like a list of all of the workouts that I wanted to do in a given week. Or if I was focusing on my meal planning, I might have all of my meals and recipes listed on a post-it note. There was one time where I created an entire Trello board to track all of the companies that I was speaking to and had my eye on that I wanted to interview with. And it was like this huge project management um, layout of how I was working towards changing careers. And in all of these cases, this is useful. But whether we hit that goal or we don't hit that goal, we are 100% signing up for not building and growing in any other areas of our life. So what I would suggest is a much more sustainable approach 
is to think about all of those different facets, all of the different pieces of the pie that make us us, and at least choose a couple of those pieces to focus on in a given week or in a given two-week time period. So for me, if I like travel and adventure and I want to build my relationships and I'm growing in my career, it might be I want to schedule a hike on a Saturday morning in the White Mountains. I want to make sure to call at least two of my girlfriends just kind of randomly, give them a surprise ring over the next two weeks, and I want to read a new business book. So this is really a much more sustainable way to live as opposed to like the hustle and grind of only focusing on one big goal. And that is, even if we reach that goal, it's just not sustainable to keep that up once we get there. Because again, it doesn't reflect all the aspects of our life that we care about. Now, a couple things to point out here. First, we have to do the work up front to actually have an understanding of what's important to us. And we have to have a whole bunch of ideas and things that we could spend our time on in kind of our own backlog so that we have things to work from. And from there, as we are kind of planning our to-do list, typically I'll look about two weeks out. This is what um, teams use in the tech world that follow agile scrum methodologies. It's this like high efficiency framework. Um, after taking a look at a lot of high performing teams, they found that two weeks was kind of the maximum efficiency for these teams to work in these cycles. And that's what I use as well. So what we want to do is be thoughtful about how we are actually setting up our time. And we only want to put on our to-do list things that we know that we can accomplish that are reasonable and attainable for us to complete within a given two-week time period. Now, a helpful check-in at this point is if your list looks like a grocery list or if it looks like a list of errands, then I would encourage you to really ask yourself, what are those things that make me really happy and make me feel like a whole person? So am I putting things on there that is just spending time with my family or doing those activities that feel like they energize me and bring me back into my equilibrium? So check in, make sure that your your to-do list doesn't look like a list of errands. Um, I have a friend that she actually builds a happy list. So there is no errands or minutia on her list. She just builds a happy list. All the things that bring her joy that she's going to carve out time and, and make sure that she prioritizes. So especially if you are a recovering engineering brain, a get stuff done, execution oriented person, at the expense of exploring what could truly make you happy, this could be a great kind of pendulum swing in the opposite direction to kind of start building that skill and that muscle and feeling comfortable with really putting yourself first. And then maybe you find your way back to the center where it's part execution and part just living into whatever makes you happy. Mm 
So the last lesson from the tech industry that I think is important to talk about is continuous improvement. So when I am working with my teams and we're in this like two to three week cycle where we kind of set up what we plan to do, we kind of break down the work into like very specific bite-sized pieces and everyone kind of knows what, what they're doing We'll then kick off, you know, our our two-week cycle. We do our work, and then we always come back together. And we create this vulnerable space, or we try hard to, and we say, what went well, what didn't go well, and what do we want to change? And this is something that I've started incorporating just kind of naturally into my own life. And this, taking this time to get reflective is incredibly important and I think a key part to growing and evolving. So I'll ask myself these same questions in my own life. I'll ask, hey, over the last couple of weeks, what went well? What didn't feel great that I want to change? And what I try to do is, first of all, be thoughtful about watching for trends So if I really start to see the same type of themes come up, I'll pause and like dive into it and say like, okay, I'm clearly struggling with this type of thing or this environment, or maybe I've had the same thing on my to-do list for like six months and I still haven't done it. Example, I had the goal of getting back into dance and I needed to go to physical therapy in order to to do that. And just booking the appointment with the doctor was on my to-do list for every week for at least six months. If, if I'm being real, it was on my to-do list for like a year and a half. <laughs> so that might be something that when I take a look at what didn't go well, um, I could say, oh, I'm still, I still haven't done this thing. What's going on there? Is there something that I'm fearful about? You know, kind of getting into all of those kind of self-reflection moments. And, and that really helps unblock us where we might even not realize that, that we're being blocked. So that's helpful, kind of seeing those trends over time. And I'll also use that time to try to carve out new actions I can take based on what I'm hearing. So it could be, oh my gosh, I felt so rejuvenated when I set up a Zoom call with my girlfriends and we all made kombucha and we just chatted and it was the perfect way to end my day. And that might get me thinking, oh wow, I need more of that in my life. I'm going to book at least two catch-up sessions with my girlfriends next month because I just need more of that because it makes me feel like a more sane person. So you want to get actions out of this. Now, what happens in the tech world when we're working with our engineering teams and if those teams are following kind of traditional agile scrum as it's, as it's written, this like high-efficiency methodology is you'll actually take anything that you want to improve and that will be the first thing that you focus on in your next 
kind of planning cycle or in your next two weeks. And the reason for this is the idea that anything that can help you be more efficient is going to speed up everything after you complete that thing. So you can put it off, but you are going to continue to operate at the same speed until you actually address that thing. So let me give you an example of what this looks like in the real world. Anytime I'm about to kick like a really intense period of my life off. So for example, if I am going to be looking for a new job. So this happened about a year and a half ago, two years ago. I knew I was going to go into this crazy season of interviewing and phone calls and all of that stress that that comes with looking for a new job. And I was doing it while I still was working my day job. And I just, I knew it was going to be an absolute chaotic period in my life. So the first thing I did kind of going into that is I did a total diet reset because I know that my brain works most efficiently when it's getting good fuel. When I'm like a couple weeks into eating healthy, my brain operates at a completely different level, completely different energy level than my kind of normal diet when I'm not really paying attention. And so that's an example of something that you might identify as like an efficiency gain, something that can make your life better that you want to actually work on first before you work on anything else because then everything after that is just going to speed up. So I would encourage you to kind of look at those trends, see what's happening kind of over time and just be reflective. And also while you're doing this, I would just make sure that that kind of mental space that you're doing that in is really nurturing and supportive. So we know from Brene Brown, if you follow her work, there is no innovation or creativity or joy without that vulnerability. So we want to make sure that we're creating that safe space for ourselves. And it's just this kind of like lighthearted space of of looking forward and being excited about the future. And if that isn't the space that you're in, that can be your efficiency gain. It can be, hey, I'm just not feeling this right now. I need to go to my yoga class and not do anything for a week. And our intent here is to not just add 10 more things to our already too long to-do list. It is not to beat ourselves up and just try to turn into this machine to get everything done faster. It's to really take these moments of reflection, both when we're kicking off and thinking of a new way of being, also while checking in as we go. The point of this is to make sure that we are pointing ourselves in the right direction. And I heard a great analogy recently, and this is kind of like when we go to the grocery store without our grocery list. We'll spend a whole bunch of time walking around the aisles. Who knows what we will walk out with, but it probably won't be everything we need for dinner. So these moments should be the supportive check-in to make sure we are pointing ourselves in the direction of all of the areas of our lives where we want to bring attention to and we want to live into. 
So to recap, if we want to boldly chase our best life, a couple things we can do are one, separate our creative mind from our engineering mind and really be thoughtful about which one we're tapping into when. Secondly, we should be chasing multiple dreams that represent all the different aspects of our life that make us us. And we should be thoughtful about which of those goals we are actually working towards at a given time. Lastly, we should be checking in and asking ourselves, what's going well? What can I do to improve? And that reflection is going to give us an acceleration towards our dreams and help us get there a hell of a lot faster. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe to Growth with Girlfriends wherever you listen to podcasts. I would love to give a special shout out to someone who left a great review on the Apple App Store for us. Miss Jen, you are likely driving in at about 6.30 a.m. to teach eighth grade English. Thank you for being an essential worker for all of us. And thank you for being such a great friend to myself and everyone around you. This has been Growth with Girlfriends. I hope you guys will join us for the next one.